According to the stats, you need around $30,000 to start a business in the U.S. Problem is, the average African American boasts a net worth of $11,000 and can seldom turn to family and friends, a common funding source when starting a business. But one social entrepreneur was determined to bridge that financial gap to ensure everyone has an equal opportunity to get their business off the ground. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor-in-chief of Sea Change Magazine. For those asking, you can find my recently published book, also titled In the Business of Change, where I profile social entrepreneurs around the world and their lessons learned at your local bookstore, at Amazon, or on our website. And be sure to check out our monthly newsletter for updates on my ongoing book tour and speaking engagements. On today's episode, we speak with the founder of The Runway Project, Jessica Norwood. In our enlightening conversation, one aligned with Black History Month, Jessica shares the history of the racial wealth gap in the U.S. and explains why she became so passionate about providing that friends and family funding. Though her business is still young, Jessica is already proving that the seminal funding is essential to helping black businesses find their runway to wealth creation. Tell us a bit about yourself and what inspired you towards this, um, you know, supporting African-American entrepreneurs and why that's become so passionate in your life. I founded uh, the Runway Project, which is um, we give patient uh, loans to African-American businesses. And the reasons why I'll sort of talk about, but um, that starts in 2016. But I really feel like more of the genesis of of what becomes the Runway Project starts to kick off um, in around 2005. Um, post um, Hurricane Katrina um, mm-hmm. in Alabama on the um, Gulf Coast, where I'm from. So I'm from Mobile. Um, actually, I'm technically I am from Pritchard, Alabama, and colloquially this name um, called Africa Town. Um, my father had been the mayor in Pritchard, uh, so I really grew up seeing um, him try to really lead a city that was deeply impoverished, um, majority African-American, and having these questions myself around what does it mean to get economic prosperity um, for a community that, you know, all these gears are having to move at the same time to make it happen. Where's the tax base? Where's this? Um, So I grew up thinking about that maybe differently than a lot of people, and I grew up thinking about that in Alabama, mm-hmm. in the under the sort of backdrop of the civil rights movement, um, and 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 really understanding this next charge that the civil rights movement that Dr. King even held, that was around what it meant to have this economic equality. So I had grown up thinking about it. I watched my father um, really kind of try to struggle with how to bring that for the people that he um, represented. And then Hurricane Katrina hit. And that was the first time that I think I saw a complete system failure, like everything that you thought would be there for someone um, was not there. So 
Mm-hmm. We're talking at that point, housing failed for folks, people who did not have um, proper deeds or, you know, or so forth, lost their homes in this air property piece. So they couldn't get some of the, the, the monies available. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was education. It was transportation. It was every possible thing that you could imagine failed. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed inside of that was that people who had more um, had more money, had more assets available, liquid assets available, but also had the social networks and, fi- and fabrics that also had that kind of money could recover much more quickly. Mm-hmm. And so it tends to make a lot of sense that if you're if you're impoverished, then maybe your friends and your family are also impoverished and resiliency becomes something that you can't reach out to everybody to help hold you up at that point. Um, the same thing becomes true when we think about starting off for our businesses. Um, when that entrepreneur has this great and brilliant, brilliant, brilliant idea and everybody says, hey, you should borrow money from your friends and your family. Right? right. And then you look around and you're thinking like, what friends? <laughs> family like you know those resources aren't there and and that is because of something that um has been um termed the racial wealth gap and so mm-hmm. um the running of runway and my life is really running up against understanding so deeply what it means to talk about the racial wealth gap and and in, in its fullness and complexity of what that actual phrase really tells us about America. It's interesting always to hear about people's uh, sort of the backstory and how that pulls you in a different direction, pushes you rather. I find that when we talk about the challenges facing um, African-American, particularly their entrepreneurs, um, we always look to the stats of today, but we, we don't always look to the history. What are, what's the, the, the primary challenges? And you sort of touched upon that, but maybe you can give a couple of stats to sort of um, highlight the challenges facing entrepreneurs today. So I would I would say picking up that that thread about the racial wealth gap. And yeah. so when we think about the racial wealth gap, I often tell folks, you know, this is this number that really encapsulates um, the fullness of the experience of wealth around race. And so it mm-hmm. captures everybody. Um, it captures, you know, it captures Bill Gates and it captures Diddy, you know, it yeah. captures everybody in yeah. there. And then, and the number is still pretty stark. Um, for whites, they have on average about $144,000. And for African Americans, that number is about $9,000. And that comes from the Pew Institute. Um, and regularly, there are other, uh, other think tanks that, that also, um, look at some of these numbers. Um, and what we're noticing, though, is that there is a piece of data that's moving right now that tells us that really in about 30 years or so, that number for African-Americans actually hits zero. Mm. And what that number includes are real assets that can be liquidated. These are your savings. This is equity in your home. This is this is um Anything that you can kind of get the cash value to get some money moving. Right. So it really kind of so we're saying that people won't have that in about 30 years. Um, what happens to a community when they have zero wealth, like nothing else is left? Um, what happens when they are pulled over by the police? Um, what happens to them when they have a beautiful business idea? How do they use the gears and the wheels and the things that we say ought to be available to move yourself out of a difficult situation? 
what happens when you don't have any of that? Mm-hmm. And I think I think that gets compounded by these ideas that we have that are based in bias and prejudice and discrimination mm-hmm. over and over and over again. So when you link all of that together, you get just the nasty hodgepodge mess mm-hmm. of the racial <laughs> of the racial wealth gap. Um, and and but what we do know, what we do know is, is that business owners are three times wealthier than folks who are not right. um, independent of education. We've made a lot of investments in education as a strategy to increase wealth. It hasn't worked. We've made a lot of investment in telling people that home ownership is the way to do it. By and large, at this point, it's still not moving the needle on that number. But we haven't gone as aggressively as we could around entrepreneurship. And I think culturally, that might have been because there is this um, story, this narrative that's always told that entrepreneurship is a single pursuit, that this is something that you do yourself. It's very rugged individualism kind of narrative that goes along with it, that that it's you and only you. And that's a myth. Mm-hmm. That's not actually how businesses operate at all. Um, and so centering this conversation on what does it take to make a community resilient in the face of disaster and noticing, as I did um, in Hurricane Katrina, noticing that when people had the networks, social and financial networks, wherewithal, they could recover hard times much better. And seeing how the one, the latter that we know actually helps to increase more wealth um, isn't available because we don't have these same networks. It brings us to the point of questioning and saying, well, could we all become friends and family to one another? Is that a possibility for us to weave together to, to notice that this person or these people um, won't make it if we don't come together? And it becomes a deeper invitation than just the investor side of the story, because that's a beautiful part of our work. And it's and, and also more than just the um, story of what happens with these incredible borrowers that we work with, because that's also a part of the side of the work. But it becomes the way that we can all answer that question of can we actually be friends and family to one another and help each other through these these challenging times? And I think we can. Um, I'm, I'm certain we can. I, I I'm hoping you're correct. I'm hoping you're right, and I and I I definitely believe if there are more people like you um, pushing that forward, then then we have a definitely a fighting chance to do so. And I'm wondering if you could tell us now about the Runway Project, and and um, now that we've sort of come there, where you're touching yes. upon it, you're definitely teasing us with it in terms of some of the stuff you've mentioned already. We'd love to hear more. So, uh, yeah, what is it? The mission, the goal, how does it work? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I'm just pulling y'all in closer to the Runway Project. Uh, So the Runway Project provides friends and family loans. And friends and family is the term that people use when when they're getting a round of money right at the beginning, before, usually it's before seed, uh, before Series A, before different types of investments happen. You usually get money from your friends and your family members, rich aunt, rich uncle, whomever you call it, um, (laughs) who's helping you out. And it comes along with um, a lot of wisdom and advice. Um, So they're not just giving you money, but they're giving you really favorable terms they're being being patient about when you return it and they're also like 
hooking you up. They're telling you about where this opportunity is and mentoring and giving you office space and board members. I mean, it's a fantastic time oh, yeah. if you can get it. And so we try to mimic that for folks. We um, we work with borrowers and right now we've got a product available that is with um, Self-Help Federal Credit Union. Mm-hmm. Um, they're based in Oakland. And any individual, just like me and you, can pr- purchase a certificate of deposit. And that certificate of deposit then triggers the set of relationships that we have with the bank where it helps them to make loans, patient loans, um, to black entrepreneurs in the Oakland area right now. Um, and those loans are 4%. We wanted them to always feel like a friend or a family gave them to you. They last for about five, they last five year loans. And throughout that time, they're, they're getting, um, peer to peer, um, coaching. They got mentor support. There's wraparound services through the entire life of it, um, provided by our partners in the area, Optima business, um, counseling. So, this is more than just the capital. It really is the intensity of the relationships. We thought about what it meant to use a credit union, something that was already facing in the community and had that spirit. How could we work with the gears that were there to get us to actually do friends and family? We should maybe use a community bank or community credit union. Um, and so we thought about those things as we built our models. We thought about the importance of having trained support and professionals giving that trusted guidance uh, in those local areas and in a cultural way that mattered to those businesses. So we work with people on the ground and it really is about deep partnerships and relationships um, and and runway um we really we think this is a future and a model way that we could we could be together and solve a lot of core challenges. Mm-hmm. I will I will say that <clears throat> the sort of two audiences here that we that we face to um, for the investor and for the business owner. Mm-hmm. And I often am asked a little bit about the um, investment opportunity, but I want to take a moment to talk about the borrowers we have because these are just some of the most incredible businesses I've ever seen or heard about. Um, We've got all kinds of companies in our portfolio. We've got a pie company. We've got a vegan protein company that is like taken off. We've got some really incredible, incredible businesses And um, we often talk about our um, investment committee meetings where the entrepreneurs come and they pitch um, in order to get to um, the money. It's a one on one kind of thing. They're just sort of letting us know about the business. And we call that we said that that's really more like a therapy session (laughs) because there are so many folks who have been so underinvested in and so unbelieved for so long. And, and that what happens when we don't have that money available, when we just say things like, okay, well, access to capital is the challenge for black businesses. When we leave it at that, Hmm. we don't really talk about what it, what it is saying about where we think innovation comes from, who we think is inspiring, where we think somebody is believable, credible. We don't talk about what it's like to not have folks invest in you, like the deeper meaning of value and worth of that. And so this is also um, about the practical way that this shows up. But I say that this is 
This is not just a product. This is really about a practice. It is about practicing being friends and family in a way that heals, heals all of us inside of that. Heals all of us. Absolutely. Um, and what about how long have you been around for? Are you are you trying to um, expand beyond Oakland or right now is your focus strictly there? Yeah, we started in 2016, I believe, 2016, mm-hmm. 2017. Still and yeah. still super young. Yeah, oh, my yeah. goodness. We're babies. Um, <laughs> we, we, we did a first raise in Oakland and we started to we just started um, deploying. We've been deploying for one year in Oakland. Okay. I think the first year was raising the money and, and finishing the partnership. And then the second year was um, deploying. And so we still have some more capital in Oakland to deploy out. Okay. Um, and and um, so we're. We're, we're comfortable right there, but we're also really open to um, the possibility of going into other markets. And um, and that's an invitation. We, we wait to be invited by mm-hmm. our friends and our partners who are doing trusted guidance work, our friends in philanthropy um, and um, and our, our, our friends in depository institutions, whether they be a community bank that's serving African-American population or a credit union we wait for them to give us a call and say, we, we need, we need something like this. We want to try this with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we get a few of those phone calls. We're thinking about it right now, but I think our focus is making sure that Oakland is incredible and, and, and I, I'm excited about what we've got planned for Oakland for sure. Absolutely. And what about the um, investors? How does someone become involved on, on that end of things? Yeah, right now the the opportunity is sadly it's closed right now. <laughs> I know, I know. Wow. I mean, that was that was a good feeling to be able to <laughs> no say we've, we've closed the fund <laughs> right now. It was actually pretty cool. Um, yeah. you know, we're 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 looking at um um opening up a new fund very soon. Um, so they so best thing to do is to make sure that they're following us on um, social media and okay. um, and checking us out on our website to make sure they're on the newsletter because we'll put out a lot of information once that starts to open up. Um, and we want to make sure that we let everybody know about it. So do follow us. And we yes. also we also have great uh, Christmas. We put out one mm-hmm. of the best shopping lists, um, <laughs> I think, ever of black owned businesses that were also in our portfolio. I think it kind of blows Etsy out the water because <laughs> it's like the weaving everything in together. But but definitely um, check us out and um, those ways and then we'll be able to keep people up to date. Um, but I would also say that I'm not the only really fantastic organization out there. There are others mm-hmm. that have offerings open right now. Um, our good friends in Boston, if you're interested in supporting organizations that are um, closing a racial wealth gap, mm-hmm. uh, the, there is another model that I love in Boston called um, Ujima Project. Oh, I heard of them. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's really it's, it's centered around um, a democracy strategy and uh, cooperative ownership and mm-hmm. it's so cool i wish i had thought of that one but <laughs> but they got that they got that model so that one is open right now and yes. then um and then boston impact initiative which has the name boston but they actually operate around the country and they have an offering right now that um is also well really brilliant um and they're they're partners of ours um because they're thinking around 
um, portfolio design and um, fund management is so smart. It's able to really pull in a lot of different kinds of capital and people. And so theirs might be a good fit, too. So those are two that I okay. think are open now okay. that I would tell people to check out if you don't come and, and you just you itching to get that money out the door. You got to go there. And um, and if <laughs> And and if you want to hang out and wait, we'll we'll have a we'll have some more information about when we're opening back up again too. Sounds good. Um, and for entrepreneurs, they just uh, if they want to just reach out and see whether they can get some support, they just do so. Is they have a you have a, that pitch and and um, is that basically how it works with them? Yeah. So for the entrepreneurs, we look for um, folks who have completed a. Um, training program right now we're only in oakland so all of those inquiries the best way to do that is to talk to optima boot camp okay. uh and oakland and let them know that you're interested you heard about runway you want to mm-hmm. figure out more how to get started and she will get you going that's the smartest group of people i have ever seen mm-hmm. i trust them with like all my business decisions. So, so they'll be, they'll be, yeah, they'll be great. And then for other markets, um, outside of Oakland, it'll be a similar process where the local, um, uh, uh, trusted guidance providers will be there to take in applications and support. And so, again, follow us online as we start okay. listing out what new cities will be in and and who to talk to in those um, respective areas. When I interview people, we speak a lot about support networks and and folks who uh, who help us along the way. And RSF, uh, they're they're on my radar a lot for the type of work that they do in supporting various entrepreneurs. And I was wondering if you could just mention a bit about how they are helping, um, sort of jumping from a different topic. But I, I think that's important to mention the type of work that they're doing and how they've supported uh, the work that you're doing. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned RSF because um, they've been incredible partners, um, financial partners, thought partners uh, along the way for us. And they've they've been great thought partners because they've designed this really incredible ecosystem um, uh, where the borrowers and folks who are investing are all in the mix and in the flow and in the culture of RSF. So that mm-hmm. happens together. And that was something that um, really drew me into them. Um, I was in their first cohort of their integrated capital fund. So I was a fe- uh, fellowship, excuse me, integrated capital fellowship. Right. And, um, and, and from there I met one of our team members, Nina Robinson. I really began to understand this missing linchpin of how I wanted to model our fund. So it was a lot of thought leadership comes from RSF. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it's backed up with this really incredible spirited network where our resources come from, which is the Women's Collaborative. And these are all incredible women who are putting money up to support other women. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that mixture of the two ways that they have nurtured me and this vision of Runway and, um, um, and this sort of example of what it really of what runway even aspires in, into being and servicing the, the african-american community is to have all of us in deep relationship with each other and rsf has been that kind of partner for us even when there were moments where you know there were things that our own borrowers our folks needed um one one gentleman had um um, a really horrific um, scare with the San Francisco police because he was opening up his kiosk mm. 
Uh, and the police were called on him in this neighborhood um, in the assumption that that was not his actual business and that wow. assumedly he was breaking in. And the community of our investors wrapped around the story of our borrowers. So that's something that we don't often see. Right. Um, and as simple as making sure that their um, PR team helped to get that word out and even coming down and supporting that business mm. with some shine and buying stuff. I mean, that was the level of kindness and love that RSF does. So I'm glad I got a chance to say that part because runway really does work on the depth of these relationships. And it really has that to, at its foundational core. How can we be friends and family to one, to one another? Absolutely. It goes right back to the theme, to the underlying. Um, yeah. 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 Um, absolutely. And so, and, and, and back to Runway then, um, with these friends and families along the way, um, what do you <laughs> anticipate, uh, the next five, 10 years? What do you, what do you kind of envision? I know that's a tough question for a lot of folks starting out. Um, some prefer not to look so far ahead. Some of them, some people like to. What do you have a vision of, of where you see yourself? You know, I do. I do. I'm, I'm constantly surprised about where runway is going, but I do, I do see that this becomes a model, um, that is infused in our, um, in our very sort of institutional practices. Like it becomes a way where it becomes medicine. Yeah. And so I can see, um, credit unions. I can see, um, other community banks, um, taking on the runway project, um, and products that we have and and um and I see this really expansive network of African American entrepreneurs working together even even across geography and becoming friends and family to each other maybe even supporting each other's businesses along the way mm -hmm. so I see this network um growing and expanding uh, uh and um over the next 10 years in ways probably I'm not even fully articulating but I do think we're going to get a good answer about can we be friends and family with each other? And if our success in Oakland is in the, in any indicator, I think the answer is yes. Yeah. What about inspiring uh, conversation around some of the underlying challenges and the deeper, um, the deeper focus and, and, and the reason for why you're, you're doing what you do. Do you think you'll inspire that type of conversation? Well, we're having this conversation on Valentine's Day. So, yes. Yes. <laughs> the love will be there. <laughs> the love is there. I think, you know, I think I think the only way out of all of this is um through a full acknowledgement of what is ha what has happened and the price we all continue to pay because we haven't taken the time to slow down mm -hmm. and do the real work of repair mm -hmm. and repair requires deep compassion and 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 love of self and of the things around you and um and so I don't believe that that'll happen outside outside of these other movements and these other conversations, um, these other places that, that the planet is warning us, these other places where we're talking about, you know, gender and relationship and space and consumption and all these other things that are moving right now. This is a part of that. And so in so much as those things succeed, this too succeeds. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, I think that um, as I look at those leaders and 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 thought leaders and activists and people who are wrapping their arms around so many different um, angles of all of this, 
I do feel a lot of hope and I do think the love will be there. It's Valentine's Day. I gotta it's, believe it. It's Valentine's Day. Exactly. <laughs> There's a reason why we're talking That's today. There's a reason. There's a reason for it. Yep. <laughs> and, and this is just the final question, which I'd like to ask everyone who I speak with. Uh, any advice that you can offer, um, for African American entrepreneurs? I, I'm specifically directing that question at you, uh, for obvious reasons, but I'm wondering any advice, any tips, uh, lessons learned that they can take away? and perhaps inspire them as they move forward? Yeah, I would say that I would tell them that you're at the point right now where you know a lot more than what you think. Mm -hmm. Trust your instincts, trust your heart, and share more than what you think you ought to share. Because there there has been a way that business has operated in the past where it has been so secretive and so closed and so breaking down of the culture that we say we want in the world. And I would urge all these entrepreneurs out there that are starting off to not remake the thing that we did not like. Mm-hmm. Be bold and make the thing we would love. Put your deepest heart and passion into it. The gears of business Those things are already out there. You can Google so much as, you know, business canvases and all those things. But this is really about the soul and the spirit and put your full self into it because the world needs you now. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum. We'll be right back.